you would take your copy of God's Word and turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We're going to be focusing on verses 27 to 36 this morning. Uh, I'm going to read uh, the passage aloud, then I'm going to pray, and then we are going to dive in uh, to God's Word. Uh, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the, on the cheek, offer, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who, with whom, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend. Expect nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your heavenly Father is merciful. Let's pray. Uh, Father, you are merciful. We thank you so much for your mercy, how you pour out your love to us in the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you uh, for the privilege of being called your children in Christ. Father, I pray that your name would be honored today. We pray that your name would be given glory. You have done great works. You will continue to do great works. So God, we want your name to be praised. We want the name of Jesus to be lifted high. There is no other name worthy of honor and praise. So God, we pray today that the name of Jesus reigns, that we give you all glory. Father, we pray for those in our congregation who are hurting, we, we specifically pray for B. Green uh, this morning. Uh, she's just battling and fighting uh, for life. God, we just pray that you would be kind to her. God, we do pray that you would give her more days. Uh, but God, even more so, we pray that you would just continue to give her faith to believe and to trust in the hope that comes in the gospel of peace, that comes through Jesus Christ's shed blood. Father, we ask that you strengthen her, strengthen Tommy, strengthen their whole family. Um, let them trust you um, in the gospel. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, we thank you that your word uh, goes forth and brings life. God, we, we pray um, this morning for other churches in Rock Hill. God, we pray for Joey Deese this morning at Oakdale Baptist Church. God, we pray that as he stands in the pulpit and he preaches to, his, to the people that you've entrusted to him, that he encourages them with the gospel. God, we pray that people receive the message with joy and they want to better serve you. 
God, increase their ministry there at Oakdale. God, we, we pray for those around the world who may be hurting. We specifically ask you to lift up um, the people of Syria now. We pray for peace in that land. God, we pray for religious freedom. We pray that your gospel would, would go forth strong and powerfully and change that nation. And God, we also just pray for all those mothers um, today who are hurting, those who have lost children, uh, those who have um, those women who desire children and yet are unable uh, to conceive. God, we pray that you'd meet them with your grace. We pray that they would trust in you more than anything else. Father, you are the greatest um, thing in our life. So God, we do pray that you would be with us now as we open your word. God, I pray against distraction. Uh, now I pray that, that we, we here would focus on you, would focus on your word, that we would be changed uh, by it, God. Convict us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Drive us to repentance. Show us the greatness of our great God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's Mother's Day, uh, and Pastor Dave is preaching on the passage, Love Your Enemies. And I'm sure some of you were reading that and going, Is he serious? Well, I am serious uh, of why we want to preach on uh, this passage. Uh, first, first of all, we're working through the book of Luke. This is the next passage that we, we attend to. And I want to continue to put in front of you to remind you that all of God's Word is relevant at all times, in all situations. Uh, so this morning, what I primarily will be doing, I will be speaking to moms. I pray that I will be able to challenge you and encourage you with the gospel. But I, I'm also making applications to all of life, uh, because motherhood is only one aspect of life. So if you're not a mother and you're sitting next to a mom, I pray that you are encouraged by sitting next to the person you love. But I also pray that the, the Word challenges you. So if you would like to follow along in the outline provided for you, I want to make, I'll give you three truths this morning about a mother's radical love, the radical love of a mother. And the, the radical love of a mother uh, is for the sake of of God's enemy, for the sake of God's enemy. Now, the, where we are in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus is, is started to face opposition. People started to challenge him and question what he was doing. The, he was fighting against the old way, the old way that you could be saved by religion of works, by following the law. Well, this new way is that you are saved only in the name of Jesus. That's why we sung, no other name under heaven which man can be saved other than the name of Jesus. But then he, it's interesting because after he, he, he encounters that challenge, he starts to, to give a lot of commands. So there is a grace-filled life that provides works. So those of us who come to the Lord Jesus know we're not saved by works, but requires works in faith. We see that this morning. We'll join, go, go back and uh, look at Luke six twenty seven, and what Jesus says. He starts by saying, but I say to you who hear. He's saying everybody who hears his voice. This is different than before where he, he spoke specifically to his disciples. Now he's speaking to everybody. Now that's important to us because what Luke does, Luke takes the system of the world and flips it on its head. In our, in our world, the wealthy are, are supreme, while in God's kingdom, the poor are lifted up. 
Uh, In our world, we're we're taught to to love our neighbors and to hate our enemies. Well, God's world says you need to love your enemies. And we see that here. He says, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think I have a lot of enemies. (laughs) You know, some people may be my enemies that I don't even know about, but I don't typically have enemies. I don't wake up and I'm not on war at at battle with people uh, who are against me physically. But that's not the case with the Israelites. The Israelites, who, who Jesus is speaking to, are under Roman oppression. The Israelites have always had enemies, people who were against them, who were out to destroy them. You know, we, we may have people who rub us the wrong way. <laughs> people that we don't necessarily want to be around, they make us uncomfortable, but we wouldn't call them enemies. But the Jews were living under Roman oppression. They were living with the face of being oppressed day in and day out. Their money were being oppressed. Giving their money to a government they didn't believe in. That was then, that's not now. It was a joke. I thought it was funny. We move on. So let's let that sink in. These Israelites who are under Roman oppression, God is saying, love your enemies. Now that is a radical love. To love your enemies is a radical love. It does not exist in the world. We even find in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, this is what we call the Sermon on the Plain in Luke, and the Sermon on on the Mount in verse 5, in chapter 5, Jesus says this, You've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is a radical love. Listen what God is asking you to do for your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. I don't have to do a lot of instruction to tell you what it means when someone hates you. (laughs) I don't have to give you a lot of instruction what it means when someone curses you or abuses you. It's a very straightforward and simple statement by the Lord Jesus Christ. And oftentimes when we we confront passages like those in the text, we immediately try to rationalize them away. He can't really mean to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us. But you will find no rationalization from this pulpit this morning. God says, love your enemies. God says, do good to those who hate you. God says, bless and do not curse. He says, pray for those who abuse you. That's what God says in his words. Now, what does this have to do with motherhood? Well, I think there's, there's two things that I could pull from this passage, this section, and, and to apply to mothers. The first one is that we have to understand is that our children, without repentance, are God's enemies. Now, it's true in the Scriptures that the Lord has a special affinity for children. We see that in Matthew 18. But we know as children grow up that they will be held accountable for every sin they commit. The Bible says in Romans 2.6 that He will render each according to His 
work. So parent, your goal is to love God's enemies. Your children who are outside of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ without repentance. Now, we, we all know that there's times in parenting that sometimes it's not figurative. <laughs> sometimes they really feel like enemies. They do th- say things and do things that hurt uh, almost to the point where they feel like they hate you or they uh, curse you. So I think that we, we can apply it directly. God says to love in the middle of those times. The moments will come, and when they do, God is calling you to love them to do good even when they don't deserve it. Now, before we go ahead, let me just stop and define love because our world has a lot of silly ideas when it comes to love. But I'm just going to take a passage right from God's Word and give it to you what God's love is. It says this in 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest. This is what the love of God is, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might believe through Him. In this is love. This is love. This is exactly what it says. Not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let me say this. As God has sent Christ into the world to show his love for us, I believe that God has sent mothers to us to show us that kind of love. It's a radical love of self-sacrifice that mothers give time and time again to their children to show them the grace of God. A mother lays down her life for her children. Now, this is not a worldly love in which you endorse every decision your child makes. That's kind of going around in our culture. Every decision that your child makes, it's not okay to endorse. Why? Because they need to repent of their sins and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. God says what is right in His Word. Our acceptance, what we allow in our homes and to our, in our conversations with our children and grandchildren has to come from God's Word. Call them to repentance. And can I just say this? Many of you who are, are here visiting, um, visiting your moms, can I just tell you how much we love your mothers? We, we love the mothers in this church. They have been so faithful for so many years. So we thank you for coming. Uh, We thank you. But you know what what the greatest wish of the moms in this congregation are? It's not that you would come just on Mother's Day. That you would be in church next Sunday. And the Sunday after that. And the Sunday after that. Because the greatest uh, desire for a mother who's in Christ is that their kids would be in Christ. If you are here and you are not in Christ, can I just make an impassioned plea for the sake of your mother who loves you, who prays for you, to turn and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. I would love to have you come be part of this church. 
We'd love to have you here. But not only do we see that this radical love of a mother is towards our own children, who sometimes could be our enemies and who will eventually be God's enemies without repentance, radical love of a mother is also for God's enemies in the world. Let me explain. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5 say this. Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man or woman who fills his quiver with them. God says in his word, as children, children are like arrows. We want to shoot our kids out into this world for the sake of God's enemies. For not the people who are in this church primarily, but those who are outside these walls who do not have a personal relation with the Lord Jesus Christ. So every time you love your child in your home, every, time, every ounce of sweat you pour over your, ch- uh, your children, every time you pray for them, what you are doing is you are building a strong arrow to be shot into the world, to slay the lies of the devil, to bring people to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you raise kids who love the Bible, who love God, who love his church, the world will be different. But for generations, we haven't done that. So what's happening with our young people? They're walking away from the church. You know why? Because they see hypocrisy in the church. They see hypocrisy. And can I just tell you this, mothers? You cannot protect your kids from the hypocrisy in the church. We have hypocrites in our church. We have people who profess the name of Jesus yet live differently. We do. But here's what you can do. You can make sure that your children do not see hypocrisy in your own home because you are building them up as arrows to be shot into the world for their salvation, for the salvation of God's enemies. So many mothers here who have labored over their children, who have prayed, that is their desire, that you go out into the world for the sake of God and bring people to his holy name. A mother's radical love is the foundation for someone's future salvation. I know, (laughs) because I'm married to a mother, how often you can be discouraged, how frustrated you can be because you don't see the fruit in your children, and how tired you get when you're caring for your kids. But can I just tell you this? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything you do for your children is worth it. Everything you do for your kids is worth it. Be encouraged in those moments of frustration. Know that the future salvation of your child and the children outside the church are being built every time you show grace to your kids and mercy to the kids. When when they don't deserve it, what you are doing is you are helping someone see God. Young moms, can I ask you to do this? Talk to some of the older ladies in the church. Ask them this question. If you would look back on your life as a mother, what are your regrets? What do you regret as a mom? And just listen to them. But one thing that you're not going to hear, you're not going to hear them say, I regret praying for my children. I regret taking my kids to church. I regret showing them what God says in his word. You're not going to hear that. Because there's something that happens with age that allows us to get perspective. Amen? Ask them. Well, we, we must move on. Uh, point number two. 
Uh, radical love for the sake of God's name. A radical love for the sake of God's name. Look with me to verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that of you? That to you. For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Jesus is trying to deepen what this radical love should look like. Because this radical love for enemies is extremely important. It's because we bear God's name. As a Christian, you bear the name Jesus. You don't have to be a mother to bear the name Jesus. The greatest virtue in this life is being a Christian, is being called by the name of God. When people turn from their sin and trust in Jesus Christ, they bear a new name. Christian is their main identity. You can almost hear, after Jesus gives all these commands, people thinking to themselves, well, hey, I do love people. I, I do good. I lend to people. And Jesus would say, fine, but who are you lending to? Who are you loving? Who are you doing good to? It's important because it's what distinguishes a Christian mother versus a worldly mother. I don't know about you, but I have friends and family who are not Christians. And I've seen mothers who are not Christians sacrifice for their kids. We all have. People who lay down their lives for their kids. Why? Because I believe one of the greatest common graces that God has given this world are moms. Moms are built to love their children. Amen? I'm so grateful for my own mother and how much she has sacrificed for me. It's the greatest grace that I think God has given us. But a Christian's mother's love is different. What's different about it? Well, because she's a Christian and she has different goals. Her greatest goal is not... um, that our children would be well-functioning citizens. We want that, of course, or do good in school, or to find a good spouse, all good things. But our main goal is what? That they know and love God. It changes everything. It changes our focus. It changes our direction. But we see here in the passage that Jesus is not impressed with a worldly love. He is not impressed with loving those who are like you. He says this. He says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that? And then three times we see this refrain, even sinners, even sinners, even sinners have that kind of love. So how are you distinctly Christian if sinners do the same thing? One of the greatest problems in our day is that the church looks like the world. We're not different anymore. We don't even like being different. 
We want to change so that people will be, feel welcomed at church. Listen, everybody's welcome to church. We don't want anybody to walk away feeling unwelcomed. Amen? But we have to be different. We have to hold to different values, different uh, goals. Because we're not like the world. We've been called out of the world. And we bear the name Jesus, the Savior of the world, who came and died on our behalf and was raised from the dead to give us hope for eternal life. We have a different name. So when we live and when we, when we parent, it's all for the name of Jesus. I find it interesting in our day that things that used to be ordinary are now extraordinary. Do you see this? When people who've been married for, for 60 years, like many of you have, I mean, many people in our church have been married for 60 plus years. That's common. Now we see a marriage that's lasted for 20. We say, woo, all right. We got 20 in. It just, it's different, right? But that's ordinary. And, I, you know, I think the same thing is said in the church. You know, people in the church should love their enemies. When people curse you, your response should not be curse back. It's to do what? To bless. But typically what happens in the church? People hurt you, what do you do? See ya. You just leave. You never confront it. You never deal with it. You never bear up with people. You just leave. But someone who does, someone who bears with a fellow believer, someone who continues to love and bless those who who curse, that's the extraordinary Christian. Beloved, can I just tell you something? That is the normal Christian. If you do not bless those who curse you, If you do not try to do good for those who hate you, you have to ask yourself, do you know God? Are you a Christian? That is basic for a Christian. Even sinners do the other kind. Are we different? I pray as a church we become different. So moms... Are you teaching your kids that example? How, how, how do they watch you? If you were to ask them, son, daughter, do I love those who love me? Or do I love all people? Do I do good to those who even aren't nice to me? Do, do I love my enemies? Do I bless? And just listen to their reply. Now, some may be too young, and you may not want to listen to their answers, but those who are teenagers, just ask them that question. But be prepared to listen to their response. It may shock you. I know one of the, one of the worst decisions I ever, I think, early on in my marriage had um, was when I asked my wife what are things I needed to improve upon. Hey, sweetie, what do I need to improve upon? What do I need to change? And then you know what she did? She told me. That was the problem. So as soon as she told me, I immediately tried to defend myself and try to rationalize how I really don't do those sort of things. So when you ask your children that, just listen. Because guess what? You want to show them that kind of love. You want to prepare them for a world that's going to hate them. Do you see how the world is against Jesus? It's against the values of Jesus? It's only going to get worse. So if you don't teach your children to bless those who curse them, you are not preparing them for the world. The world has changed. Christianity is no longer the majority in our culture. It's moving faster and faster away. 
You have an opportunity, parents, mothers, grandmothers, to pour into your children and grandchildren, teaching them to love those who do not deserve it. Which brings me to my last point. Radical love for the sake of God's mercy. A radical love for the sake of God's mercy. The reason why we do this is all wrapped up in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. Look with me in verse 35. It's kind of a summary statement of what we just went over. Jesus says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you'll be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Heavenly Father is merciful. The job that you've been called to, moms, is one of the the hardest tasks in the world. You're trying to show the love and mercy of God to your children and to your grandchildren. That's the calling. The calling is hard. You know why? Sin. Sin, I think, is so aggressively attacking women. I'm not sure if you read the account of the fall. It says that the Satan and the woman will will forever be at war. There is more emotional uh, and mental attacks against women in our culture than anywhere else. Uh, men, it's kind of a one-trick pony. They attack through, through sex. But women, they, they try to attack the psyche. I see this often in, in moms when, when they, they start thinking these ideas. Well, what about me? You're giving me this high calling to love my children, love my grandchildren. What about me? When do I get my time? When do I get time to rest? And can I just tell you something? In love, that is the whisper of the evil one. When Satan just whispers in your ear, what about you? What about your time? What about your space? What about you? What what the devil's trying to do, he's trying to, to make you want to be served. But we know Jesus Christ did not come to be served, did he? No, he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's exactly what we're called to do in this passage. To give our lives as a a sacrifice for our kids. But you know what? It's worth it. Look what it says right here. It says, your reward will be great. Now we know that our reward is is ultimately referring to our heavenly home, the blessings that we'll have forevermore with God, but it's also earthly blessings. When you raise children who love and fear the Lord, when you, when you experience the joy and the laughter of knowing that you are, are doing all that God's called you to do in your home, that is a blessing. That is a blessing. No regrets. You will not regret spending time with your kids and showing them the love of God. But you also see another blessing in this passage. It says, you will be sons of the Most High. God has given you his name. You will be sons and daughters of the most high God. You will no longer be an enemy yourself. You will no longer be separate from him. But he has adopted you into his family as a son, as a daughter. He gives that opportunity to to anyone who would return from their sins and trust in Jesus. He wants to bring you in and adopt you 
as a son and daughter. But you notice that that is typical of Christians. We, we want to show the mercy of God. So when people bless us or curse us, we can bless them. Why? Because that is exactly what the Lord Jesus did. When he was cursed, he blessed. When he was persecuted, he prayed for them. Father, they do not know what they do. Forgive them. Then it says, you'll be sons of the Most High, for he, God, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Do you consider yourself sometimes to be ungrateful and to be evil? That is everybody outside of Christ. We are all ungrateful. The the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that we did not give thanks to God or acknowledge Him as God, but we became futile in our thinking. And we worshiped the creation rather than the Creator. We were evil. But God showed His mercy that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He took our sin on the cross, was buried and rose again, giving you hope that if you turn, if you turn to Jesus, you will be saved. You'll be saved. So moms, beloved, who are here today, can I just challenge you like the Lord Jesus challenged the people here? Be merciful. Be merciful. Even as your Father is merciful. Now let me just conclude by saying this. All the the effort that we pour into our kids, all the time and the labor that we try to love people, we are not in control of the response. Sometimes after a sermon like this, I almost feel like I'm putting a weight on moms. But do I want to challenge you? Amen. I want to challenge you. But let me just tell you this. I would rather have you fall to your knees and pray because God is the only one who brings life. God is the only one who brings life. Now, there may be some of you here who need to repent. Maybe you have been a selfish mother. Maybe you have not done what God has required of you. There's time to repent. God will forgive. God will forgive. And there's, there's maybe others of you who just need to pray and ask God to show His mercy on your children because they are walking astray. They have left the faith. Maybe today we could just take a, take a time when we're done and, and, and ask God to save our children, our grandchildren, for the glory of His name. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We want the best for our um, children. God, I pray for these mothers here today. God, I pray that they would be challenged to love their enemies for the sake of their children, for the sake of this dying world, as they send arrows out into the world to, be, to have a people who are distinct, set apart. God, you have shown your mercy to us when we have been ungrateful and evil. So God, I pray that we would be merciful as you have shown mercy to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.